There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with the and she's attached. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let the person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, TJ, is crack. It's like a herding. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Joe, I wonder is there a book? This is apropos of absolutely nothing now. And they're looking at me through the window wondering what is he starting with this morning. There's, I often wonder when you become a, a GAA coach... And with the best will in the world, I love listening to them talking about matches and upcoming matches and how they G up their teams and all that. But is there a book that you get when you become a GAA coach? And are you told, go away and learn that now and and learn how, how to talk into a microphone? Do you know, there's a great line in there now. You go up and you want to see how good you are. Go up again. Oh, that's a great line. Or we'll find out now of a Sunday how we are. I love all those little cliches, but it's like there's a book that every coach was ever given and I mean from junior B to top of the pile they all seem to have the same book that they learnt their bits out of and I like it I think it's funny it's uniquely Irish 0818 96 96 good is the number the uh, text of WhatsApp is 083 396 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie um Anybody listening to me overseas by a pool or over their breakfast on the patio on a sunny morning, tell me something. If you went out to the tat shop around the corner, you know the little fella with everything from a needle to an anchor. And if you went out to the little tat shop down the road now in Lanzarote or Tenerife or Alicante or wherever you happen to be this morning, how much would you pay for a pair of flip-flops? I reckon you'd probably pay a euro, maybe two euro, maybe five euro for a really luxurious pair. But RTE was paying 34 euro per pair for flip-flops, for a flipping corporate gig. You know? Here's another thing. If I borrowed the car, assuming that I can drive your car with insurance, right? If I borrowed your car and said, listen, my car's a bit dodgy, can I have a loan of yours there for an hour few jobs to do I'll bring it back later on and throw the keys in the door you're grand to drive on no problem just be careful and you're covered I'm covered yeah what if you held on to that car for five flipping years five years I mean would no one notice like that you'd borrowed a car for five years it's just part of chapter two verse 17 of the RTE scenario which is just getting more and more bizarre by the day. All of your papers of course have it today. The Sun 
uh, toe show, the farcical, which I like. And picture of flip-flops on the front of it. Of course they are. RTE Chiefs split as new spending splurges revealed. There's a lot of fallings out within RTE over this. More bombshells on the way. More to come. Like we ain't heard it all yet. In fact, there are some who believe we ain't heard it, heard nothing yet. For flip's sake, says the Daily Mirror with a pair of sunglasses or a pair of um, flip-flops on the front. They're actually the branded flip-flops. Hogan, whatever they're called, that were 34 quid a pair. Two bits of rubber and a bit of plastic for between your toes. The star has, well, bleep, bleep show the musical. S dot dot T show the musical. It's just a mess. But here's the best bit of all. We have made... RTE, rather, have made the BBC News website. The Irish broadcaster has been accused of running a slush fund. Executives being questioned by the Parliament about Ryan Tuberty. €5,000 on, on flip-flops. They were, they were members. They held a membership of a posh club in London at the same time that their London correspondent was... Listen, Sean Defoe, political correspondent, can tell us more. Sean, this story just gives us more and more every single day. Good morning. Morning, yeah. I mean, revelation after revelation yesterday felt as if it was 20 news cycles long with everything that we were getting coming out of RTE from late on Tuesday night, really, when it emerged that there were extra barter accounts, that there were more accounts that were sort of hidden. And then what we were getting was new documents going to members of the media committee and, and them sharing them on all throughout the morning and I think the one that's caught the attention both in the papers and of everyone else is is that barter account the one that they were, were sort of using for everyday expenses and again to say like barter account is not necessarily a weird thing for a business to use lots of businesses mm. use them it's rather what was going through them that seems very odd so like you say 5,000 euro for flip flops is the one that really caught the imagination for a, a client summer party back in 20. 16, I think it was, 2,100 euro also spent on balloons at that party and 21,000 on food and drink, uh, 23 grand on European final tickets, 7 grand on that golf outing, that's one of a number of different golf outings, 967 euro for parking for agencies and clients at a, at a talk, uh, that Soho House Members Club in London, 2,300 euro a year, Aviva Stadium boxes for clients for Harry Styles, Westlife and the Eagles with a price of 9,000 euro uh, and then one entry that was marked 4,568 euro and the only note next to it was alcohol uh, and they may well have needed another one of those entries after yesterday so well the committee went Yeah, I mean, like you say, just went through it there and you're right, barter accounts are used throughout the industry and contra deals are used throughout the industry and once the accountant is happy and the taxman is happy, then everyone's happy. But this is bizarre use of this kind of money. Like, talk to me about that club in London. That's the club where apparently Harry and Meghan had their first date. What on earth were we doing as members, or were RTE doing as members of that club, Sean? Yeah, it's a place called Soho House, fairly exclusive members club, and I say about two and a half grand, uh, a little less than two and a half grand for an annual membership. Now, what Orti says, and uh, Geraldine O'Leary, the commercial director, said at the committee yesterday 
was that they were using it for meetings, that they meet a lot of their corporate clients over there. And while only 5% of the uh, commercial spend for RTE comes directly from the UK, a lot of the big clients, a lot of big companies who are based here would have their main offices in London. And so about a third of the overall commercial spend might have had dealings when, when they went to London. So that when they went there, they needed someone to, to somewhere to meet them and that the RTE no longer had offices over there the way it did in the past. Those had all been sold up during the lean years. And so they got this place, right? And you can... You can question, it seems like a fairly ritzy place to get it because you not have gotten sort of a hotel room somewhere. Mm. And that was what one of the members of the committee uh, did ask. And Geraldine O'Leary sort of going along this line of look. Was there, is was a, there not a, a meeting room business. in an Irish club you could have rented? Well, I don't know about the, any Irish clubs over there, but even a hotel, you know, yeah, know somewhere yeah, you yeah. could have had a, certainly a, a cheaper deal. But the, the juxtaposition, I suppose, is the story that came out afterwards through Emma O'Kelly from RT, that at the same time that RT officials were using this fairly exclusive club, their London correspondent was filing voicers and doing voiceovers for TV from the bathrooms of, yeah. you know, cafes and McDonald's and whatever else, because she also had no office. You'd wonder, did she even know that was Fiona Mitchell, wasn't it? Did she even know that this club was there, that she, if she was anywhere within a square mile of it, she could have gone in and used the facilities there to do her work, as she should have been entitled to if, the, if RT were members of it, you know? Yeah, you would assume, that, but you'd assume she didn't. Um, yeah. You know, I'd imagine that this was one that was for the commercial guys and it's for all our sensitive meetings, but, uh, you know, if she if only had access to it, I'm sure she would have rather than trying to do it over a toilet, you know? Now, a couple of the more serious elements to it, Sean, is there's now a very clear distinction between the executive, i.e. the management of RTE and the board, what used to be known as the RTE authority. Clearly, there's a, a chasm between the two of them now that the board is looking at management and going, what on earth have you been doing? Will heads roll, do you think? Yeah, I, I think we're, we're heading towards that point. Uh, the, up until really Tuesday night, ministers and even members of the, the committees had been sort of loath to go there, wanted answers more than they wanted heads. And that sort of changed yesterday when all this drip, drip, drip started to come out. Now, the committee meeting itself actually pulled that tone back a bit right before the committee. I, I was wondering, would there be resignations yesterday that day? Such was the sort of febrile atmosphere among the politicians. Uh, and I think if the questions weren't satisfactory, Actually answered, it at least took a bit of the sting out of it during the, the committee yesterday. Shuni Rattling, the chair of the board, went right up to the line of mm. resignations. She mm. said that the confidence of the board in the executives, the board in the, the day-to-day management, has certainly been eroded. She wouldn't get into whether they should there be resignations, and you can kind of understand why, because oh. obviously there's a disciplinary process yes. that will go, that has to be gone through for each of them, and if she had, if she comes out and calls for heads, that could start a legal process, a very costly process, and what she said was that if there is any sort of talk of that, it will all be dealt with through the proper channels and in an individual manner. You also remember the executive board is, is nine people, some of whom had no involvement, some of whom are only on the board in the last two or three months uh, and so, you know, post-date all of this sort of stuff going on so she wouldn't give any blanket statement Mm. that yes, the executive has to go, but certainly there are question marks over the positions of a number of them. I know Geraldine O'Leary in probably one of the strongest back and forths yesterday of the committee with Imelda Munster she pointed out she only has eight weeks left in the job, she's retiring uh, anyway but then said she felt that her own position may not be tenable, such was the scrutiny of her private life, such was the tenor, some of the things that had been said about her and her husband uh, online and said that it had extremely damaged her mental mm. health and was something that she found totally unacceptable. So this is getting personal for them as well, quite yes. aside from the whole question. Of whether I, I, I watched it back, actually, and uh, last night, 
quite late, Sean, and I thought, did Imelda Munster overstep the mark a little? I couldn't tell whether she did or not, because by the end of it, I actually felt sorry for Ms O'Leary. I thought, you do not involve a person's husband, you do not involve a person's private life in matters like this, and no, somebody had. Uh, yeah, you know? I... I tend to agree with you, but like I can understand why she went down the route of questioning because when you do look through the barter accounts, like Geraldine O'Leary's name is all over it for different things, and that's kind of understandable in that there's a cost to doing business, and particularly when you're a commercial yeah. director, you do have to go and meet clients, you have to build up relationships. Well, she she had sure one they figure they well. couldn't answer, Sean, and one figure they couldn't answer was they had 1.6 million roughly spent through these barter accounts over a period of time, and a lot of money spent on things like flip flops and drinks receptions. But she was able to say, in my time, I brought in 1.6 billion in investment. And that figure stands up too. Yeah, and that, like that's so the spend through the barter account over 10 years was one one thousandth of the commercial revenue that was brought in. And when they talked about the Rugby World Cup, for example, which is one of the bits that a lot of people, including myself, find excessive, that you would bring clients over mm. to Japan for a stay, she pointed out that cost 111,000. But in the previous year, the clients that they brought spent a cumulative 38 million in RTE. So that was kind of one of the defences there and mm. a, an element of there is a cost to doing to business here. Yeah. I suppose what it comes down to is, is that cost excessive? Would those people have not advertised if you didn't bring them to the World Cup? I, I think they probably would have advertised again because remember, they're not doing it for the good of their health. Yeah. But that was where we got into. And yeah, when it gets get down into the personal, perhaps is where it, uh, it detracted from the point of it. Where is this going to go? Sean, are we going to be talking about this for the rest of the summer? I know that we had the statement yesterday, or the letter yesterday from uh, Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly, that they're willing to come in and, and meet the committees. Will that happen? Yes. So the next steps immediately this morning, the media minister is going to meet with Kevin Backhurst, the incoming director general, and with the, the chair of the board, Shinny Rahalik. So we'll see what comes out of that. Then next week or tomorrow, you're going to have the PAC meeting to see what they're going to do. Most likely that will include an invitation to Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty now that they've said they're going to come into either or both of the committee, the media committee and PAC. That will happen on Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Also next week now, the forensic auditor is going to start work that day has been brought forward. It was due to happen in August and after the revelations yesterday Minister Martin said no, that needs to happen next week so they're going to get in and really that forensic audit is probably what's going to turn up most of the dirt if there is indeed any more dirt to be turned out uh, and that's where the different investigations mm. will go. We also have the standing invitations to Dee Forbes and to Jim Jennings, the Director of Content both of them are unwell at the moment but the committees made it very clear they want to hear from them when they are in a position to come back in again. So this is certainly going to drag beyond the doll recess which ends next week, certainly going to drag into August and that's probably the big danger for RTE because even yesterday we got away from a lot of the fundamental issues that actually brought this up which was the €75,000 payments to Ryan Tuberty that went through that barter account that raised the first questions about the barter account. Those are going to be brought back to the fore over time but the danger for the company is that all these other little bits come in and it's death by a thousand cuts not just mm. for the executive but for the, the vast majority of staff at RTE who are working very hard, who knew nothing about this, who are equally appalled at this, but are facing the consequences of it nonetheless. And you, through your position, Sean, as a member of the press corps in Leinster House, you'll know many of them well, and I'm sure they're deeply upset at what's been going on here. Completely, yeah, no, absolutely. And look, there, there is just a kind of a shock and an anger that people who really had to fight to get, you know, an updated phone or had to fight to get some expenses through relatively minor things, you know, even 
uh, the, the people who've had to pay for their own Christmas party down through the years and then see, oh, well, five grand was dropped on flip-flops for clients. You know, it, it's it's really quite galling for those who have been operating. I'm not going to say on a shoestring because the, the independent sector operates <laughs> on a shoestring by comparison to RTE. Sometimes we have to borrow the shoe. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'd be lucky. Um, but, you know, comparative to all this bigger spending that Seaperly was going on on the corporate side, um, people very upset and angered that this, you know, their name is being dragged through the mud. They are, according to the Reuters Institute, the most trusted news brand in Ireland. And I think when you damage the most trusted mm. brand, that probably has bad, or, bad ramifications yeah. for the rest of journalism, too. All right, Sean, thank you for your time this morning. Political correspondent Sean Defoe on the ongoing story that is the fallout from Tuberdegate. It has kind of moved past Tuberdegate, though, now, if you ask me. John says, ah, come on now, PJ, you can't expect these wonderful people, I'm putting in wonderful, to be wearing flip-flops from pennies. <laughs> I should work for RTE. I can buy flip-flops a lot cheaper. I'd save the taxpayer a fortune. PJ, can you imagine paying that for flip-flops, most of which were probably left on the party dance floor? It's a scandal and such a waste of taxpayers' money, says Katie. Patrick says, can we just park the RTE story? The government love this. Uh, we're talking about RTE, not about the government and other things. It's a fair point, Patrick, but everybody is talking about it. PJ, who sorted the tax, insurance, NCT repairs and fuel of that car that was on loan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a weird one. That's a weird Okay, I might have got my maths a little bit wrong at the top of the programme. The... Flip-flops that RTE paid nearly five grand for would have cost about €25 Euro per pair uh, at five grand for 200 people. Then if you've been to Penny's and bought 200 pairs of their flip-flops, Penny's flip-flops, you'd have saved the taxpayer €3,300 because the ta- those, those flip-flops would have cost you 1600 As someone who has never, or at least doesn't ever wear flip-flops because I can't. I just can't. I've tried. I can't wear flip-flops. It's just one of those things. <laughs> I cannot wear flip-flops. I've had more broken toenails and scraped toes from trying to wear flip-flops over the... I can't. I don't know why you would. If you, someone gave me flip-flops going into a party, I'd say, I don't want them. Take them away. Thanks a lot, but no thanks. 0818 96 96 96. We are making the BBC news website this morning for all sorts of the wrong reasons. Like, here's the thing. €12,000 for Bruce Springsteen tickets. €6,500 for a Phil Collins Robbie Williams concert. Hotel accommodation, three hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money being spent on things. Um, 5,500 tickets supplied to guests on a complimentary basis for Toy Show the Musical. Now that was a flop and a half. To be fair to Tuberty, I don't think he wanted anything to do with it from the start. He wasn't connected to it. He had no connection to it. Yeah. (laughs) This staff member then with the loan of a car. This came up as a kind of a last minute question. A staff member had a loan of a car for five years. And the car was given back the other day. And as it was said at the committee, they couldn't give us the name of the staff member at committee due to this GDPR guff that affects all our lives, but it'll come out anyway. 
So it will. So it will. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96 FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we bring your reaction to Cork City's trip to Derry and Cove Ramblers Clash with Waterford at St. Comas Park. Right here, right then. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. On Cork's 96 FM. Frank, are you saying that we shouldn't be talking about this? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Absolutely not. I don't think we should not be talking about it. Of course, it's probably one of the biggest scandals to hit the country in quite a while. Mm. But, I mean, I just a bit of balance. So this is week three. Yeah. And front page, front news headline, top news headline in everything. Yeah. Online, yourselves, we'll say, the deco. Um... In those three weeks, right, just as a few simple examples, mm-hmm. right, we all know homelessness has soared, mm-hmm. right? That's probably hitting page five at this stage. Mm-hmm. It was right. reported, though, Frank. Oh, yeah, I agree. It was reported. Right, PJ. Uh, a court case. Uh, the rape of an eight-year-old woman in a nursing home. Right, he got... Many many years, but it mm. came out came out that there had been multiple allegations against the same man over years. I saw that on the news. You, yeah, you barely you you obviously didn't blink because that's about all it got. Mm. Um, but I mean that would have demanded a huge inquiry. The judge in the case said, under no circumstances could a nursing home be named. Which I, I'm a bit caught up with because if you were putting a parent into a nursing home, would you want to know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, I, I read that. You know, I read about that in one of the papers. And they're, they're, this, look, this GDPR crack, Frank, is the bane uh, of all that, of our lives. That's, absolutely, I completely agree. Right. And just a very simple one, PJ, and it's something we spoke about here, I'd say, probably going back last year. The scooters. Was it last last week? I think maybe ten, maybe ten days ago. An eight-year-old, eighty-year-old woman in Dublin knocked down and killed yeah. by an e-scooter, so and still, yeah. still absolutely no regulation about him. Yeah. PJ walked down the North Main Street. You're literally taking your life oh, yeah. in your yeah. hand. No, you the live. reason, the reason, Frank, that and each one of those stories you gave me, I've heard them and seen them, but then again, I do watch a lot of news. I suppose I would. <laughs> Same but, here. But but the thing about this particular story. Is I remember when it came out first nearly three weeks ago and it was about Ryan Tuberty's pay. That, ah, in, yeah. that in itself was that in itself was a lot. But then it's just you know everything. It's one it after the other. Give, it keeps on giving and you cannot you cannot expect news desks. I totally and, agree. Totally agree. You know, um I, I agree you can't, but for I mean, Peter, this these Van Tarden reports and these yeah. These inquiries that the minister has set up are expected to last between eight and twelve months. Ah, yeah, but you know what will happen. You know what will happen. Flip flops make headlines. Flip flops co- make headlines. Ben I mean, doesn't. Bosco having a car for five years makes headlines. Mm. 
you know, and you know, it is, you know, it's. I, I think people, Joe Public, is getting sick to death. <laughs> I'll be quite honest. They are. Mm. I don't know, uh, though. I don't know. I, it's an interesting yeah, one. As you pe- said, yeah, the flip shop side of this, yeah. And you know what people are doing? Mm. They're sitting back and laughing. Yeah, there. I mean, there's one particular front page this morning that takes my my head against all the other ones, and that is the the mail, which is more or less telling us you ain't seen nothing yet. And I would agree, you probably haven't. But at the end of the day, it's good old Ireland. Absolutely, nothing will happen except there'll be a, probably a new board. Um, mm. They'll they'll reconstitute some parts. Yeah. Um, it'll cost the state millions in yeah. inquiries like man it could go on for 10 second well, we years ho- we hope that does we hope that doesn't happen in the PGA is Ireland do you know who will make money out of this the lawyers, lawyers. Uh, and that, that's one of the reasons why a lot of names aren't out yet because they can't do it and a lot of people's heads haven't rolled because there'd be lawyers involved Frank, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time I need to go to Dr John Sheehan which is a story that I think Frank you'd be glad I'm talking about always appreciate your call but 1896-96-96 we were talking to Dr Fiona on Monday was it Monday or Tuesday? Monday about the shortage of GPs and about she had to spend the last day of her holidays working remotely from her hotel room in Italy because there just wasn't coverage. There just wasn't cover. Dr. Fiona Kelly. Crazy situation. She had to take calls in her hotel room in Italy to talk to patients because there was no cover in her surgery down in in West Cork. And it it brought really into bright light the, the pressure being faced by GPs. Dr. John Sheehan uh, down in Blackpool. John, it's not like that in the city, I would hope. Good morning. No, it, it, it's not. I mean, all practices are, are, are under pressure, but certainly compared to Fiona's situation, and I know Fiona, um, you know, in rural practices, they are really, really um, um, struggling. And Fiona's situation could be rec- replicated uh, among many rural practices. I know Skibbereen is under pressure. I know McCroom is under pressure. My own sister, PJ, is a GP in Limerick, rural Limerick. A couple of years ago, she had to cancel her holidays because um, she couldn't get a locum. So right along, particularly on the western seaboard, PJ, um, this is happening um, again and again. And it's, it's really is at a crisis situation. And you could see Fiona. Fiona's a fantastic GP. She's a fantastic colleague, very dedicated and committed to her community. Um, but you could see the frustration, um, you know, when, when she was talking and, you know, um, about mm-hmm. it. And there are solutions, PJ, and they have to be grasped. And the HSC, I think, are beginning to realise that this is happening, to be fair to them. And they're beginning to move, but it's very, very slowly. Um, but there are solutions that can be, you know, that can be done. Um, like, you when know, you, for, when, for when you want to go on holidays, John, and I know in the city it's a different, it's a different beast, but when you mm-hmm. want to go on holidays, how far out from your holidays do you need to start thinking about a locum and who'll sit in for you? Generally, what happens is if you're single-handed, you'll start about six, eight months uh, away and start looking. And what we've tried over the last couple of years in our own practice, and I know many practices uh, are doing this, you try to get a sufficient size that we can cover each other. So if one of my colleagues in the practice goes away, we all suck it up for a couple of weeks and vice versa. Mm. But then we're we're there. If you're single-handed, you can't do that. So you have to try to book someone. A few years ago, PJ, you might be able to get some because our, our, our GP trainees who are coming off the scheme would do locums and you could employ someone and book someone. Now they're just not there. 
I was at a graduation of our GP trainee, trainees who finished the ski training and are entering general practice now next week. They're all staying around, and they're nearly all staying around for the last few years. But you could need double of them, and they're being snapped up, and they're going into jobs. So before they might float around, they might say, oh, I'll do locums in West Cork for a few months, and then I might get a job. Now they have a job before they finish, and they're, 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 they're offered you know, and, and, you know, to join a practice straight away. So there's a huge shortage of locums. They're just not there. And in Fiona's situation, it was retired doctors who, who were coming back to help her. And then the difficulty, of course, is registration changes in July. Yeah. So the Medical Council, which wouldn't be known for its flexibility, it has to be said, um, you know, it's an all or nothing. You either register for the full year, even if you only need one day. Yeah, and that's not, you know, yeah. we're listening. Fiona explained that, that she would have had cover for the Friday, only the person who was sitting in for her, the insurance ran out on Thursday, can't even step into the surgery as it were, without insurance, but there was no way that person could get a day or two days. Now, for goodness sake, if your car goes in for repair, you can do something with your insurance for a day or two when it's in. Surely you would have thought that that doctor could extend their insurance by a day or a week to cover what they're doing, that insurance companies would understand there's such a shortage. You're absolutely right. And then they have to start showing, and the medical companies have to start showing flexibility and insurance companies have to start showing flexibility. And the HSE really have to start stepping up as well, PJ. Um, we have a contract that is, it's a bit like building a house uh, 50 years ago and you've put 20 extensions onto yeah. it and no longer it's fit for purpose. So really, you know, if the HSE are serious about this, providing things like primary care centre, employing GPs, like for instance, we have a number of the graduates yesterday now, if you employed, if the HSE designed a programme where you employed some of them, they would supply, uh, you know, locums to a number of practices. You could do it in a structured way. So Fiona could book her holidays, other rural practices. These aren't rocket science things and it's not particularly a money thing either. It's just an organisational thing and it's, it's showing a bit of a, a, a realisation of the, the, the pressures that rural practice is under. I'm thinking in terms of the graduates from the training programme. Mm -hmm. If you had a situation whereby the HSE put you on, for argument's sake now, John, a three-year contract and say, look, you now work for us and you'll go where we send you. So you're down covering Dr. Kelly for two weeks' holidays. Then you're going down to Kerry and you're covering Dr. Dr. Sheehan in, in Listowel, and then you're covering into town and you're covering another Dr. Sheehan. If you employed a few locums and moved them around like that, you'd do all right, wouldn't you? You do all right, and you'll get people who'll be interested in it. Now, to be fair, the ICGP have started this rural fellowship, so non-EU fellowship, so there's some doctors from South Africa who have come over and have gone to some of the rural practices, and they're sort of uh, in, embedded in some of those practices for two years. That's a short-term measure because, PJ, or, or as you know, our population is 5 million now. We now have the highest life expectancy in the EU, which is it's hard to to think I had to look it up to make sure because you know we always think the Scandinavians are way ahead of all of us but now we actually have the highest life expectancy in the EU we're five years ahead of Scotland and we're two years ahead of England which is really great but the demand of course for services and as people age and live longer is only going to increase so we need to start planning on this and one of the big changes I've noticed in the last couple of years is for the first time in 20 years in Blackpool PJ, for the first time in the last couple of years I've seen a big shift 
in the HSE's mindset to say we need to start keeping things out of hospital. We need to start building up. And they're building up these sort of hubs in St. Mary's Health Campus, yeah. up the old orthopedic, where they're trying to keep people well in the community. And they're doing one in Ballancolleg and Mallow and West Cork. So that's really, really good. But in order to do things like that and keep people out in the community, we're going to need more GPs. We're going to need a lot more practice nurses. We're going to need more health centres. And I see it certainly it has come way up the radar uh, in, in terms of realising this, but we need to start bringing these solutions in. And the other issue that you're going to hear an awful lot more about in the next sort of a few months is the issue of, of South Dock. I know it's been on, on, on your show a lot. I think it's coming up later on this yeah. morning, actually, John, because there's, yeah. a, there's a South Dock down, is it East Cork now? They're cutting back on their late night hours. Yeah, some of the South Docks in the rural areas just aren't sustainable. So what has happened is a number of GPs have retired. There's been no one to replace it. There isn't enough bodies to man the, the cells. So South Dock is going to change an awful lot over the next couple of years because, or over the next year, I'd imagine, because the demand is, is, is huge, but the, the bodies aren't there to sustain it. So they're going to have to look at different ways of doing it. And a lot of people now, unfortunately, are having to use South Dock because they can't get a GP. So it's, it's become this sort of safety valve, which it really wasn't designed um, to do. So certainly that will be, um, you know, that that will be a huge challenge. But there are solutions that are out there. Um, the, you know, the GP scheme in Cork has doubled the number of, of trainees that we have trained in the last number of years and is probably going to increase significantly again. So that's really good. And the last four or five years, our trainees have stayed pretty much by and large, have stayed around Cork because most of them have been to Australia for a year. They've been to whatever for a year. So they're settled and they're back and they're, 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 they want to work in the Irish healthcare system. And it's about harnessing that, making sure, like, for instance, if they're coming out now and they're looking at, say, a rural, like they hear Fiona, who's, you know, who went through the Cork scheme and they say, God, I'm not going to get my holidays there. I'm going to really struggle with a South Dock Rota. Mm. I'm not going to get a locum. So that's really unattractive for them. Yeah. And it, it becomes even harder and harder then to get people to rural practices. So we need to start coming up with those solutions and very practical solutions that people feel that they're protected, that yeah. they can get a holiday, they can get support. They can get, you know, colleagues who, you know, uh, you know, who, who, who will help and support them, um, um, uh, you know, going into the future, because otherwise it's just going to continue to get worse. OK, John, thank you. By the way, I hate asking you, have you holidays planned? I do. I'm going to go down to sunny Kerry, hopefully in August. And my colleagues who are very helpful, um, they will cover me. So we've managed to, to reach that stage now where there's a few of us there together, three of us there, three, three of us there together, and we can cover each other. And that, that makes a huge difference because it takes that pressure off about will we be able to get a locum or, um, or not. All right, John, thank you. Dr. John Sheehan. Uh, 0818969696 enjoy your holidays when you get them at least you won't have to do remote consultations from from Kerry thanks John 0818969696 I have always said this um, GP I, if, if life had dealt me a different hand of cards in my late teens I might have been a doctor in fact I almost would certainly have been a doctor it's all I ever wanted to be when I was a young fella. The thoughts of doing this job never crossed my mind. Uh, but um, the point system had other ideas. Uh, my failure as a student had ideas too. But anyway, so here I am. Um, but I, when I think of it now, would I become a GP under the pressures they're at right now? No, I wouldn't. 
On RTE, Margaret agrees with Frank. Nothing will actually happen. No one will be held accountable. Same with the HSC and cervical smear. John says, I've paid my TV licence always, but I feel no one will be held to account at the end of the day. No doubt about it, the flop has flipped, says Jimmy. There's a new political satire show in this. Ryan presents Flip of the Flops. Morning, PJ. They should refund the TV tax or make Tuberty pay everyone's tax. We don't pay for television bonus gimmicks. Morning all. We would be good to know if the person with the loaned car was getting an allowance, says Mike. John and Cove, they should be all subject to legal action. The people involved in RTE, there wouldn't be anybody there worried about a TV licence pair going to jail for non-payment. And this, and their pages. So there is interest there, no doubt. The weather's about to turn grotty, lads. I, I don't mind telling you, it's not looking good at all. By, by this evening, those skies are very likely to be full of rain, and it's going to be with us for the next few days. So the, the drop of rain that people have wanted for the grass, it's coming. It's coming. And it's going to be stuck with us for a few days which is unfortunate. Stories that you might not hear because of the RTE situation. Look, we are spending time talking about it, but then we're spending plenty of time talking about other things, and you'll get all the breaking news as it comes in uh, to the opinion line. But see this one from, it happened a few days ago, Gardaí hunting for two men who broke into a house and attacked the occupants in the College Road area. This happened on Sunday. And the burglars were disturbed by two people and they turned on them. They were tackled to the ground, beaten, punched. Uh, then the pair made their escape. Matter is being investigated. Gardaí seeking witnesses and all of that. That happened on uh, Sunday night in the Mardyke. 0818 96 96 96. We had a great little crack yesterday with Ka. We had a great chat about Cork and what it is about Cork that makes you love Cork. Uh, Sophie's not from here, but she wouldn't live anywhere else now. Talk to her next. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Do voice notes as well at 083 396 96 96. Send them to us. Um, particularly if you're listening uh, on the far flung corner of the world or down even in West Cork. Uh, that's where Sophie's listening. Sophie, you're not original. Are you not a Corkronian originally? Good morning. Hello. Oh, she's gone. Turn your back there, lads, if you can, please. Thank you. Um, on GPs, just listening there about GPs, I'm in a, in a town the size of Middleton. There's no South Dock doctor. Our options were Kinsale Road or Formoy. How lucky am I that I drive? What if you don't drive and had to rely on a taxi? That's from Aaron. And I know, Aaron, you've got, is it one or two toddlers? 
So you need a doctor fairly near to you at, at all times. Okay, we're back down. Sophie. Hi, Soph. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Where are you from originally? Originally from Dublin. Um, grew up in Dublin, but then was out of the country for about 10 or 12 years. I was nearly 10 years in San Francisco and in Europe. Right. And uh, came back to Dublin, and it was all slightly Celtic Tigerish, which was kind of scary, and didn't recognize my old city. Mm-hmm. And took off around the country in the car and said, I have to find somewhere where I can live. And one of the places I visited was Kinsale and coming into West Cork. And I just landed here and I said, this is it. What was so, it that said or told you this is it? Do you know, I said it to um, the message that I sent you guys in. And, you know, there's a lot of places and things in Cork where you can say that's very special to Cork. But for me, Cork is all about the feeling that you get in Cork when you come across the border as such. There is um, an optimism and um, an energy and a positivity in Cork that I haven't found anywhere else in the country. Um, I think it's absolutely unique, Mm. Um, particularly West Cork. There's just um, nearly like an eccentricity Lots of people with lots of great stories and different backgrounds and there's an international side and a positivity and you just wake up every day here with a, you know, yay, it's another day. Mm. Very positive. And you go around to other places in the country and it's just slightly darker, slightly duller. Um, Cork people have that buzz about them and even from a business perspective, you know, um, I've been in IT for 30 years plus Mm. And you do business in Cork with people and you just have great crack, PJ. There's, no. a, there's a thing about it, I think, Sophie, in that no matter how dark the day is, a Corkman or Cork woman will find something to laugh about and probably something to laugh about within the very reason for the darkness. That's exactly it. It's an ability to laugh, you know, as kind of ourselves. Um, and I'm an adopted Cork person as such. But even when I talk back to Dublin people and, you know, there's always that kind of rivalry with Dublin and Cork mm-hmm. and they'd say, oh, Cork people or whatever. And I'd say they are the way they are because they are different. Like there is something different. Like I said, even from a business perspective, you know, the the way that you can approach Cork business people and the way they support one another and you have a bit of crack and you'll have a fight and you'll battle and you negotiate over things. But you can always pick up the phone and say, do you know what, can you introduce me to whoever in Cork. There's a great competitive but also supportive Mm. business environment here. Um, But just from a a people perspective, the warmth and fun and crack and banter um, and positivity, like I say, you know, that anything is possible. Um, It it is a feeling. It's not a particular place. Of course, it's the most beautiful place and it's absolutely stunning. But it is that just upbeat feeling that Cork people have every day. And I'm so, so grateful to live here. I like that, actually. You say Cork is a feeling of Corkness. Yes. Correct. A feeling. Correct. It's a. It's you know. I lived in San Francisco, as I say, and I never thought I'd replace that feeling of positivity, acceptance, kind of um, just buzz about being alive. Now in San Fran, they have weather to go with it. It's, and they, I, I understand they, it's starting to rain down in West Cork already now. It is. It's literally the grey skies are coming in, but you still, it doesn't matter what happens. You nearly smile, as you say, at things that go wrong. Do you know what I mean? It's nearly funny. 
um, you just don't get down in Cork. You just you you pick yourself up. We help one another out. There's a great sense of community. There's less of a judgmental side within the people in Cork. Um, you know they, they tend to just be interested in who you are and what your story is. And isn't that great? There isn't that kind of um, judgmentalness that you can get in other cities where everybody just wants to stay with their own clique and whatever. Cork is just, you know, we're open, we're here, we're having fun and just get on with it, you know, and it's it's a very, very special place. Have, have you noticed in, in a crisis as well, Sophie, what we do as a people? We make sandwiches, we bake. Yes. It's something, yeah. and, and we, bring, we bring bread and we bring soup to a crisis, no matter what the crisis is. Because it it's all yeah. we can do. It's that warmth of humanity. It's the interest in people. It's not, um, like I say, a nosiness or a judgmentalness. But I found, you know, when you've seen things happen in the community or people have been down, people genuinely just want to help. There's a great humanity, understanding, empathy. And I know I'm doing a great broad brush um, over Cork, but from somebody who, you know, I didn't spend any of my life in Cork and somebody who's come in, I've been here for the last 14 years now, it's quite a remarkable um, place and it hasn't, you know, we've had COVID and we've gone up and we've gone down with various different things, but Cork has never changed. It's very strong. Yeah. Um, it, it'll just, there's a continuous, it'll come back. It'll keep fighting back and you see that message um, from across Cork. So just to the people of Cork, thank you for having us awful dubs in and uh, I'll be forever grateful. <laughs> well, 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 you know what? Being, being, a, being a dub and adopted Cork, you'll, you'll get the story that, uh, that I often tell about the two fellas met in a pub in O'Connell Street and the minute the dub heard the Cork accent. He goes, ah, Jez, you're bleeding Corkman. Do you know that bleeding Corkman? You think you're the best there ever was. You think you're the best yeah. at everything. No, 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 you're wrong, dub, eh? We know. That's the point. <laughs> we know. Exactly, point. PJ, that's the point. When my friends and dubs and business colleagues say to me, oh, Cork, and here you go again, or whatever. And I say, you think that we believe that we're better? And I'll tell you something, it's because we are. <laughs> and that's, it's just, that's just the way it is and I've lived in both places and it's not an arrogance I'm like we we Cork people have clicked on something in life um, and it's it's very very special Sophie it's great talking to you thank you very much there's Sophie uh, uh, a blow in you'll be a blow in she's here 14 years if she's here 54 years and lives to be a very old woman she'll still be a blow in but she's adopted and she's one of her own now thanks Sophie but that's it, Cork. I was looking for that word, and she, of course, it takes a blow in to come up with the word. And I couldn't think of it yesterday chatting with Ka. I think it's a wonderful word. And if it was Friday, we'd explore it more deeply, and maybe we will. Anyway, tomorrow, Cork is a feeling. Cork is a place, it's people, it's culture, it's sport, it's music, it's, it's everything. But Cork is a feeling. There's a t-shirt in that, isn't there, somewhere? Any of the hairy babies Agesh took this morning? There, there is. I like that. Sophie says Cork is a feeling. I'll buy that for a dollar. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cork's 96 the Qu-
Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The annual Ballygarvan Camogie Club Golf Classic takes place on Friday the 7th of July at Farron Galway Golf Club Kinsale. Teams of three and tee-off time is 12 noon. For more info, check out Ballygarvan Camogie Club on Facebook. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. 96FM. Victoria, you said to me last week you're nearly 20 years here. I am. Um, and in the early days, you and I had a moment, shall we say, involving flip flops. We've never told this story on air. Oh, goodness me. It's yeah. about time, I think. It the, is. <laughs> it is about time that we told people what happened. We, you were, I was kind of training with you, wasn't I, I That's think, right. at the time, and you were going out to Radisson Blue in in, in, in Little Island, Little wasn't Island, it? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said, come on. They, they were opening the hotel, weren't they? Was it the opening of the hotel? It was a I big occasion, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was about 20 years ago, the opening of the hotel, so what? Off I went with PJ. He had all his gear. We arrived into the, the foyer of the hotel. There was promotion girls everywhere, models. There was like, you know, the full fanfare that you get when something is opening, the official opening day. And it was the summer. It was really, really hot. And I was wearing a pair of flip-flops with beads on them. Can you remember? The <laughs> hundreds bit of, oh, yeah, and hundreds, hundreds of, of beads. beads on them. And as we walked through the foyer... I think we went up to the reception desk probably to check where we were supposed to be going and what we were doing. That's right. My flip-flop ripped and the thong that goes between your toes (laughs) fell apart and hundreds of beads do you remember? I fell just, all over the foyer. And you and I... <laughs> I thought you were going to burst into tears. <laughs> it was awful. Everybody watched as you and I got down on our hands and knees and had to pick up hundreds and hundreds of beads from all over the foyer. Yep. Oh, but that, the worst thing about that is it, that's probably your first memory of me, isn't it? It's one of them, yeah. On my and, hands and knees picking up beads on the foyer <laughs> of the Radisson Blue in Little Island from a pair of flip-flops. And almost in tears because (laughs) you loved those old flip-flops. I love them. Bless them. Long gone now. Big thank you. Thanks. Thank you. That's our flip-flop story. There you go. (laughs) Now, uh, yeah, how much were her flip-flops? Probably a few quid they probably cost in in, in England. They were the ones you brought over from from Wales when you came here. A couple of quid worth, but she loved them dearly. They were all these, they were like Bob Marley beads. Do you know, they were like yellow and red and all different colours. Yeah, and don't mind what she said about summer. She wore them in winter if she get away with them too. She loved those old flip-flops. Oh, 818 96 96 96. Now, Antoinette, we can laugh about a story like that, but the expenditure is really getting to you. Not just the flip-flops. Let me go through one or two more things before we talk, Antoinette. Um, they spent €13,400 on breakfast and lunch over four days with clients, agencies and presenters at Dylan McGrath's restaurant in Dublin. They spent four and a half grand on a dinner meeting for sponsors and advertisers. They spent 
Uh, what did they spend? Oh, yeah, they spent 25,600 yo-yos on the Jenny Green gig at the Three Arena. Corporate boxes for Harry Styles, Westlife for the Eagles at the Aviva Stadium. Now, look, entertaining clients is what happens in the industry. In this side of the industry, we do an awful lot less than we used to because we are dependent on commercial income. And when things get tight, entertainment gets tight. Don't tell me, don't, I wouldn't tell you it doesn't get done. You know, clients and sponsors are entertained throughout the industry. It's part of doing business. And you're hoping that you'll bring people out and you might take them to a match or bring a few of them to a concert or whatever or rent a, a box somewhere and you, you get a, you, you get a payback because they spend money with you then over the next 12 to 18 months. That's okay. Corporate entertainment is just fine. It's, it's for real. But it's the numbers on, say, something silly like flip-flops, Antoinette. That, that's really grinding your gears. Morning to you. Good morning. Talking about flip-flops, every time you mention that word, the feeling in between my toes because they actually just freak me out. You're another can't. one who can't wear them. Oh, I can't. I can wear sliders, yeah. but flip-flops, no. Oh, sorry. I'm literally, I'm here going, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's the funny side of it. But, yeah. like, the realistic side of it is, you know what I mean, as I said to you, they're spending so much money, like €300,000 on hotel rooms. That's what I have to raise. Yeah. Katie to, like to take Katie out of this country for surgery because there's no funding yeah. for children with, with additional needs. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense that they can squander so much of taxpayers' money. Mm. It's not corporate money, it's taxpayers' money mm. that they are spending. Mm. And then the likes of me and God knows how many other parents all over Ireland are left with a child suffering. Like, in Katie's case, she's 12 days, 6 months, 12 years, 6 months, and 12 days with a dislocated hip. Man. Like, it doesn't make sense. No. Like, that they can squander so, so much money. And they will get away with it because they just go, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. You know, no, nothing will happen. We all know nothing will happen. Like corporate entertainment happens. It, it, it is a thing. And look, in my line of work, Antoinette, I've benefited from it. I, as a person in the media, have been brought to events and paid for over the years. I'm grateful for it, you know. Yeah, but like that's understandable. Like obviously commercial you have money to promote. If you have to promote your business, you want somebody like yourself to promote their business. Mm. That, that's, that's fine. But, you know what I mean, God, the amount of money that's being spent on these things, like, it's yeah. just, it just doesn't, it, it, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fuming. Yeah, I mean, I said that's... Like, especially, just... as I said, yeah. when like, Katie is here, she needs orthotics, she's 12 months waiting on funding for a piece of plastic that costs €1,200. Euro See, there's a thing. To keep her standing. Right, yes. now, she doesn't use her wheelchair, but... If she needs her wheelchair, it's too small. We've put in for, like, they've put in for funding for a new wheelchair. Mm. And it could be another 12 months before they actually say, yeah, there's the money to get a wheelchair. Yeah, I think this is this is the harsh reality, Antoinette. And, and I, I was thinking if you're not this week so much as last week, 
when I saw the extra payments to, to Ryan over the years to Ryan Tuberty. Now look, nothing, there's been no law broken here and it's very important to state that. Look, three, I think, personally, three, I think Ryan has been used as a scapegoat. 325 grand extra to him over a period of years. Like, there we go, that, that pays you'd for the surgery. You'd be home and back. You know what I mean? I know we have to pay for the surgery. We need to stay over there for seven weeks. We're not going over there to stun ourselves. Yeah. You know, we'd, we have to do these things because doctors here just won't operate on it. Like, the amount of excuses that we've been given over the years, oh, it's just disgusting. And then, when you speak to the same doctor that's t- told you for years that they can't operate on your child because she's too weak, and tell them that you found a doctor in Florida, and she goes, yeah, he's the man for the job. Mm. You know, if he's the man for the job, she knows Katie needs that hip surgery. But she's not going to do it for her. But yet, a man from literally the far side of the world can fix my child. And I, again, have to make a beggar out of myself because, obviously, treatment abroad doesn't cover America. Katie's not on a waiting list for surgery in Ireland, so she can't get treatment abroad for me to bring her to any country in Europe. You know, it just I'm just so fuming. Like, Katie's sitting here with me now, and she's just... She's looking at me kind of going, why? Like, why me? Why Why does she have to suffer? Yeah. When so much money, and it's not only RTE, it's the HSE, it's the government. It's yeah. uh, like, there's just, this this whole country, there needs a whole order in the whole country, never mind just RTE. Do you know, I won't and, name the organisation um, because I would be identifying who told me about this. But a national body recently rebranded its headquarters uh, yeah. in Dublin. And yeah. they put in carpets and chairs and, and new logos on the walls. And somebody that I know happened to find out how much it cost. And just to redesign reception in headquarters was €80,000. There you go. Like, of just, taxpayers' money, like, Internet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, all this is taxpayers' money. And then, as I said, the likes of Katie yeah. is left waiting on a no, no, measly piece of plastic. That's, to go on that's outrageous. That's outrageous. You know, and here will you be, we'll be again in a few weeks' time now of people with no places for their children, no bus ride for their children. Because there's no money to pay for it. Yeah, no, like, just just so many things. Like, they need to actually get people in there that, that can go, look, no, you're not doing that. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, sorry, we didn't know. They do know. Yeah. They know exactly what's being spent. <laughs> and now, because they've literally been thrown in the firing line, politicians are going, oh, my God, this is terrible. They know yeah. that it's disgraceful, that... That all these things are going on. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? And I'm going to say it, the amount of backhanders that go left, right and centre for all these things and then the politician goes, politicians go, oh, I didn't know anything about it. Politicians know. know about Katie. They do. I told politicians about Katie. I told every politician that I speak to about Katie. There's not one politician has said to me, look, I'll try and help you. 
they all stand there going, oh my God, it's terrible. The same as they're doing with RTE. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's just boiling my blood. That, like, as I said, it's not only Katie. You know we took to the streets to try and get services for our children. Of course. Yeah, you know, we, we shouldn't have to be doing things like this. Like, I have to pay for physiotherapy privately for Katie. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't get the services through Brothers of Charity. Yeah. Because there's no funding. There's no staff. Like, I don't blame the staff. Like, the staff are lovely. They do everything they can. But I do blame the higher up. Yeah. Yeah. That are taking a big wage, all taxpayers' money, and by the time it trickles down to the likes of Brothers of Charity, there's nothing left. And this is why they don't, they can't pay the staff because they don't have the money to pay the staff. Because the, the likes of the highest up, I can't, the names, I'm just fuming now, so I can't think stay of names. Like, stay away from names. As I said to you before, it's not you get in trouble, it's me. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, not I'm just saying like the highest up I in know. the HSE. I know what you mean. Is on God knows how much. Yeah. And, and then I, the like the Katie physiotherapist yeah. is on practically minimum wage doing the job of four or five people to try and get our children the services that they need. And all of this, Antoinette, is why when you see five grand on flip-flops compared to a piece of plastic that will help Katie to stand up straight, that's what gets you going. Yeah, well, like, as you you said, five grand, I'm not saying that word because I swear to God, my Like, five grand, one pair of flip-flops, that would, or one pair of Orthotics. You would actually get one, two, three, four pairs of orthotics for four different children out of that five grand. Yeah. But we have to wait for funding. Ridiculous. Come here, while I have you, um, we were talking earlier in the week about the state of play with regard to access on and off Cove. If Belly, if Belly, Bell Valley Bridge is out of action, you're prisoners. It's just, that's another joke. You know, like I had my daughter got caught in that traffic. I had my grandkids here. One of her children is actually has autism. Mm. Her youngest son. If he had been in that car war, God knows what way she would have come back. She probably wouldn't have had a blade of hair left on her head. Like, he would have had a complete meltdown, been stuck in the car. Like he was having a meltdown here because his mommy wasn't back. And every time a car was going past, it was like, is that mommy? Is that mommy? Is that mommy? Where's my mommy? I want my mommy, you know? And he was getting anxious here in my house. So if you could imagine a child with autism being stuck in a car for two hours, like she had to turn around and drive all the way back around, get the ferry and come across. Like he would have been... God knows what way he would have been like. There you go. No, don't get me wrong. They were here. They were fine. Like so the first motions were brought before Cork County Council on that in 1978. I was five. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we leave it there. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And good luck with the fundraising. And you know yourself, Antoinette, if there's ever anything that I can do or that we can do. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Please, please podcast. Um, Sophie's
description of Cork as a feeling. We will. Oh, we will. Oh, Sophie. We podcast loads of bits of the show every day and we put them up between 12 and 1 and then you get the whole show in the afternoon. That usually arrives wherever you get your podcasts between 3 and 4. <laughs> Irene Mahara, what a feeling. Now, there was a time when I could just dig that out and play it. What a feeling. There's Cork. What a feeling. Da, da, da. Could we rewrite that old song? Remember that song? Irene Makara, what a feeling. Get it done, PJ. T-shirts. Flip. Don't mention the F word. Flip-flops. Cork is a feeling. I think that is the line of the week on the opinion line from Sophie. But we will definitely podcast that interview a little later. Cork, Cork is a feeling. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. That song in the back of my head now for the rest of the day. What a feeling. Cork is a feeling. I like that. Gillian is feeling cross, I think, Gillian. Morning. Yeah, of course. Um, with everything going on, I suppose, yeah. um, with all the spending. Um, and all we want for our small fella. He was measured up on November 5th last year for the chair to support him in yeah. Montessori for his low muscle tone. Okay. And we were told, like, oh, you should have no by the new year. No problem. He finished up now in Montessori last week and still no chair. Crikey. And also a buggy. Now we've got a buggy second hand, but um, it's kind of like, we're still waiting the buggy. It's not it's not the best buggy. It's ready to fall apart at the moment. Yeah. And um, still waiting on a buggy. But um, yeah, the chair, we were hoping to have it at least by January and never got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like he goes down to it's Rainbow Montessori in Bandicarra and they've done so much for him. Great, great place. They don't even people. actually, they don't even realise how good they are. But they've done so much for him than any other service that we've been sent to like. And, you know. and, and Gillian, may I ask, do you pay your TV licence? I did. You but did. nothing more. You won't again. <laughs> yeah. No. I know. How do you feel about your TV licence possibly being used to buy flip-flops when your little boy can't get a chair? It actually makes me so cross. Oh, my God. It actually, like, I can't even put into words how I feel about that. Yeah. You know, I know. It's like you're, you're fighting for everything. And then, like, any service that he has got, like, just any time he's met staff, they have been really nice in Littleton, like, up in the Court Foundation. They've been so good to him. And they've been so nice, but it's just to get in and just to get proper services. And then you heard it, flip-flops. I know what I'd like to do with the flip-flops, but... (laughs) (laughs) Gillian, at least you can smile. Thank you very much. There's a thing. There's a pure cork thing that Sophie, thanks Gillian, that Sophie brought up. You know, it's, it's, it's sad. So Gillian's upset by what she's hearing about all that money thrown around. And her little boy can't get the chair that he needs to help him sit up straight. And in the midst of it all, she can find a way to laugh. That's that's Cork. That's Cork is a feeling. Oh, I think, Sophie, you've won the week. You've won the week with Cork is a feeling. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Speaking of costs, 
they're they're coming to you already, Joe. I mean, there's, it's what seven weeks or something, or six or seven weeks before people go back to school, but they're coming to you already, looking for help. Are you ready? Morning, are you, Joe. Are you there? PJ, good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm here, my friend. I just had the beautiful Anne Ryan holding the phone, and she was terrified she'd end up talking lie to you. <laughs> they're coming. You, know, you must realize, PJ. I'm doing you in between jobs. You know what I mean? I know I'm that. doing you now. I'm doing the interview in between jobs because. Well, I have a body wave seat, and then I'm doing a collar, and then I'm doing a cut, and now the clients are holding on to the phone for the for, for 96 p.m. Anyway, enough about that. I'm hyper, don't again. I'm on steroids, and my whole body has gone queer. Sorry, you're, wait, you're waiting there for a while. Sorry about that, but you're busy out. Oh, PJ, not all your busy men. They're coming to you already about that. back to school, Joe. PJ, my friend, they are, and you know something, they're coming to me more this year, because the Dalehouse Coonley will be organised. They don't, they know... We know from past history they're going to be looked after very well. And customers and things already ask me, you know, what do we need? But there's families, PJ, hand and heart, that are talking to me now. Are you doing anything this year? Would you mind if I asked for a few copies, buyers, pencils? Or, you know, give us a chance because they know they're getting school books. But people out there, PJ, God bless us, are in a bit of a state now this time. Yeah. I mean, people now wish... And in no disrespect, we know with mortgages, with private houses in middle-class areas, that wouldn't normally, you know what I mean? And I get in the phone call saying, we heard all about you, we know what you do, is there any chance you think of us? When do you normally start gathering the stuff, Joe? I was going to wait till the end of July, but you know, PJ, the way I could, I'm going, I might be on this earth for long, so I think I'll probably start doing it now, before I go. Don't be telling us things like that, Joe. Don't be frightened. I me. know when I say long now, I've another fifteen years. But like in all fairness, fifteen years at Joseph's house on is a long time. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God! But you're you're going to start. You, so what? What do you need? I need pencils. I need bios. I need copies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, school bags, the usual. The usual, literally anything at all um, that we did last year, PJ. We got loads of stuff and it was great. But you know, for the common sense pencil cases, anything like that, um, 
We know we did fantastic last year and companies are great. Lots of people got onto us and you guys were brilliant. But it is a big ask this year. A lot of people. I hate asking people for stuff because there's so much out there at the moment. People. But it so all goes to a great cause. Where do you send Like It was. Where, where do you send it? Who, who distributes it for Joseph you? Joseph Sayos. Yeah, we'd go off then down myself off. off. And if people even want to give vouchers, PJ, that would be wonderful because they can go after into the bookstage or whatever and buy themselves or even duns for uniforms you know things like that yeah okay and, and just drop them to the salon is it? yeah and if I can get some of the flip flops back from RTE you know what I mean for the kids or the adults for because for, I say they didn't use you only use them for one day yeah they were left on the dance floor <laughs> well oh, of course they were and they'd be all swish and they'd a lot of my big feet like the big heads and we're just <laughs> not Oh, oh my God, I'm hyper. You're okay, yeah, girl. You're okay, man. You're okay. And so you're going to start straight away. Drop off whatever you have to donate out to the hair salon, yeah. Yeah, and then what I might do then after I talk to, uh, you know, the girls, and we might do a hair cutting day then just before we got free haircuts and things like that, and a little bit of a party, mm. usual crack. All right. Um, so yeah, Peter, but it's very hard to ask. Like a lot of people out there at the moment are really, really struggling. I can see it with the younger couples. You know what I mean? The people with mortgages and things like that. Um, there's a huge struggle out there. Yeah, and you do it because you so, can. Dukas can be, and also, Peter, anyone out there, and I really mean this, need help. Need help with a haircut. Need to get the kids done for the summer. No problem. Give us a buzz. We're an open house. All right. Always. All right. You're Just saying- like you are to me. You're a gentle star, Joe Bourne, Joseph's Hair Salon in Glasheen. We'll talk more about that uh, as the weeks go on, but he's taken in the usual stuff. If you ever donate a few copybooks, pencils, biros, colouring books, crayons, you know the kind of stuff. Sketch pads, vouchers for duns for uniforms, that kind of thing. You can start handing them in now to Joseph's Salon out there uh, in Glasheen, just opposite Flannery's. Big, big, big hearted gent is our Joe. Thanks, mate. 0818969696. Still people going on about flip-flops and costs. Tom says it's time all these junkets were stopped. So people like the woman on air now can get what she needs for her daughter. That's about Antoinette and about Gillian as well. Billy says Irish water was rebranded. That cost an absolute fortune. Ireland loves a rebrand. Just look at Foss. Yeah, Irish water was rebranded. It's now Ishka Aaron. What was wrong with Irish water? I do not know. Well, don't go there. But what was wrong with the name Irish water? They had to turn it into Ishka Aaron. You know, that's not just a matter of changing the sign. There's quite an amount of things. Remember a couple of years ago, someone I knew did a little bit of a dive into when they change the name of a government department, which they do quite frequently. I think, was it Roderick O'Gorman's department was changed when he took over? It's kind of the department of whatever you have in yourself is Roderick O'Gorman. But all of the branding of the department has to be changed. Press releases, all the brass plates on the door have to be done. Changing names and rebranding costs an absolute fortune. Uh, getting back to GPs, Dr. John Sheehan on me before 10 o'clock about the shortage of GPs. Again, we'll podcast that, podcast that interview later. It kind of follows on from Dr. Fiona Kelly in West Cork at the start of the week and the situation she was facing. Um, 
I had an incident on Tuesday, an accident. I managed to get an appointment with South Doc yesterday. They couldn't help me. I couldn't get an appointment with my own doctor until three o'clock today. That's three days since the accident that my own doctor can so my own doctor can sign me out of work. Please don't mention my name. Three days to see your own doctor after an accident. I could be smart and say, why didn't you go to the emergency department? But then again, that wouldn't be fair because you'd probably be, still be sitting there waiting to be seen. Yeah. Sometimes you just wonder, can you go to sleep and wake up when it's all over? Hey. Coming up in a little while, I'm probably throwing this one out now and no one's going to answer. Is there anybody in Cork who is a Freemason who would tell me what it's all about? An actual Freemason who tell me what it's all about. We're going to talk about the Freemasons Hall in a while and a bit of a property discussion that's going on there with regard to that. But I'd love to know, are there any Freemasons that would tell me what it's all about? Or is it that secret that I'm not supposed to know you're a Freemason? Um, there are very famous Freemasons in history, do you know? I'll go through them in a minute for you. But we'll talk about the Freemasons Hall in Cork in a little while. But first, there's a protest in support of the librarians and the library staff of Cork. It's organised by the Union Force. We covered what's been happening to those staff a few months back and we're told it's still going on and they're sick of it and they want an end to it and there's a protest. Cover that next. 0818 Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10am to 2pm. With Cork Simon, do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. The Dunkettle Roundabout and Dunkettle Interchange, there's been a lot of different things happening there over the last few months and every time you go through Dunkettle it seems like it was a different way through it than before and we're told look bear with us it'll all be fine in the end and I think it will but we're coming very close to the end of it now and there's a lot of change happening this weekend and we've had a message in about it because there are six new lanes opening up and there's no actual map of where they're going to be and people are worried that there might be accidents at the weekend I'll get to that in a while now over the last few months and we did speak to one of the protesters on the show a few months back and it was shortly after the first major protest that happened in the library about a book that was on display there and I spoke to one of the protesters who felt that the book should not have been on display. And I put it to her, well, that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. No one will take that opinion from you. But by tackling someone who's working on the front desk, just going about their day's work, you're not talking to the right people. And certainly by hassling someone on the front desk, you're tackling the wrong people entirely. Now, that person that I spoke to 
by the end of our conversation had kind of come on side and said, yeah, we could probably have picked a better way to do it. But the protests have continued and they're unpleasant and people are upset frequently in their workplace. I think there was only another one in the last few days and people being filmed in the course of their workplace and and those videos shared on social media. Appalling behaviour. Appalling behaviour. Despicable, actually. So much so that the trade union FORSA is now taking up the cudgels on behalf of those people who are its members. Liz Fay is an assistant GenSec with, with FORSA. The protests are continuing, Liz, I think, and, and it's just not acceptable. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Pretty well. Yeah, the protests have continued. They're continuing at pace and they have extended beyond our remit, if you will, um, with the, the members that we represent in Forza. The protests have eked out into public retail, or, sorry, private retail premises and um, the UCC quad in the last week or so, where people have been subjected to abuse in the workplace. And as you said, people have been filmed without consent, without knowledge, and those images shared and displayed right across social media. Mm. It is causing upset. It's upsetting to the staff that have no alternative but to work in those locations, not knowing whether or not these protests are going to appear today, tomorrow, while they're on their lunch break, if they're a manager, and what do they do to support their staff that are left behind? Or, you know, has somebody subversively been on premises filming them their conversations while they're at work and putting those up for, um, I suppose, somebody else to twist and bend out of all context. It's harassment is what it is. It it truly is. It truly is. And as a trade union, we have been engaging with the City Council. These protests in libraries have been happening in Cork predominantly in the one premises in the city. Mm. So we have been engaging with all library authorities across the country. We have asked them when this protest first came to our attention back in late January, early February, to ensure that their risk assessments were updated, that their parent safety statements were updated, and that they were doing their utmost to protect their staff under health and safety legislation to ensure that they have a safe place and a safe system of work. The difficulty that you have in a library, particularly the one down there in the Grand Parade, and I, I, mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember the protester I spoke to. I think her name was Kerry. And by the end of the conversation, she'd kind of come over on side a bit. But the, the, the difficulty you have is it's a public building to which Correct. the public have unfettered access. And that's Correct. where these people are. They have that card to play. It's a public building. They have, but there are still powers that are within the grasp and within the control of the local authority. They can enact robust bylaws, library bylaws, that will put in place a social contract, if you will, between the public who are entering into the public library and the staff who have a right to a safe place and system of work. And those rules, that social contract, will ensure that public order is kept and that staff are not harassed in their place of work and that other library users, other members of the public, will have their dignity and their privacy and their confidentiality upheld while they're in that public space as well. Mm. The thing about filming, Mm -hmm. and as a union official, you'll know this far better than I. I have a a half knowledge of it. I I believe you're entitled to film someone in a public place, but you must have their consent to do it. Am I correct? You are correct, yes. You must you seek correct. their in, consent. 
you must seek their consent. You must get their informed consent. So consent, informed consent is more than just I'm filming. You have to be provided with the purpose for the filming and you have to be provided with its future use. So not just filming once, but if you have the intent to spread that to other outlets for that to be used by other outlets. Yeah. It's a bit like really when we record someone, for example, for for any event, we have to tell them when it's going to be used, where it's going to be broadcast. Correct. You know, and we have to tell them if it's going to be podcast, actually. Correct. You know, um, but but, but they, they, these rights are being ignored repeatedly by, by people going into the library. They, it would appear as though they have been. We have anecdotal evidence, of course, from staff um, of members of ours within the library services. We have seen the social media footage where our members have confirmed to us that they did not give informed consent to be recorded and for those recordings to be used. Um, so we do know what's happening. And people ought to be secure in their safety mm. while they're at work. And that is certainly not the case here. Now, tomorrow, Friday, March, or Friday, July 7th, rather, July 7th at 12.30, you're gathering to do what? We are gathering in a show of solidarity with people from the court community, library members, other members of Forza, to march from Grand Parade as a show of solidarity for all staff, not just our members in the library, but for those members, or sorry, for those staff who have worked in Debray Books on Patrick Street, who are subject to the same abuse and intimidation recently. The staff in UCC on the quad, the students in UCC who had to come across it, the members of the public who have also been filmed without their knowledge and consent, um, to go to City Hall and to let management know that not only are we watching, but we are going to insist that they adhere to their obligations under self-safety, health and welfare work legislation to protect their staff and provide them with a safe place and a safe system to work. Does the library, lastly, does the, libra- does the library employ a security person at the door? I am unsure if that security person is permanent or if he is on a contract to come and go at particular times. So, for example, if there were um, activities on Grand Parade, if there were if there were marches, protests, um, bank holiday weekends, you you know yourself times when there are usual unusual sorry I should say high footfall across Grand Parade to ensure that there is no antisocial behaviour taking place at least within the the lobby the foyer area. And again, without the power to remove a person from the premises, how effective is that security person? Lastly, Liz, and I I, I know that in the interest of balance, I'm going to say something, um, but and I wonder, would you agree with me? If you object to the placing of a book in the library, that's your full entitlement as a citizen of Ireland to object to that. But there are better ways in which to make your objection rather than going to the front desk to someone who had no hand actor part in its placement. I would agree. I'd agree there's always a better way to protest than to harass staff. If you have an objection to a particular book being kept in stock in the library, there is a means by which you can let your displeasure be known so that the librarian in charge or the city or county librarian in charge of the library authority can investigate and can come back to you and let you know their decision with regards to your concerns. All right. Liz, thank you. Liz Fay, Assistant General Secretary with FORSA, the trade union. They will gather tomorrow 
at 12.30 outside the library on the Grand Parade and march to Cork City Hall in support of the library workers. And and one of the people who wouldn't take a call but insisted at the time, do you agree, you know, do you agree with what's in that book? Whether I agree with what's in the book or not is of no consequence. I'm not even going to give the book the oxygen of publicity of mentioning its name because I'll just draw people on me that would put me in bad form of a Thursday. I don't care what you think about the content of the book. What I think about the content of the book is of no concern of yours. But if you don't like the content of the book, the poor misfortune on the front desk just doing their job for a, for a, a not particularly big wage, they're not your target. Find a better target. 0818 96 96 96. Now, mention South Dock. And there's a cutback in South Dock hours. And a petition has been started to reverse that cut. Well, it's a proposed overnight closure that it would close at 10 and have reduced hours at the weekend. But, sure, Deirdre O'Brien, the very idea of South Dock is that if you need a doctor at midnight, you can get one. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And exactly that is it, PJ. You know, um, we don't all plan when we want to, when we get sick. And I suppose, look, I've just seen this is going, but this is going round and round with a while, and I've been shouting because I'm just saying this is going to happen if we don't do something about it. And look, I suppose we all sit there planning, everything there's public consultation, but there's nothing out there for people to voice their concerns. So I decided, look, I'm going to start a petition here and just see. And like in a, a day of 2,000 names of a local area. But I suppose, I go back to it, you know, it is. We, when we need a doctor, we, we, we want to get a doctor. And, like, we're not going to go to Cork City to A&E or, you know, or call an ambulance unless we're dead doors. You know, that kind of way. So I just see why would we have to that inflicted on people? Um, it's just the moment, like, it's South Dock for Moy, and we're being told it's going to be countywide, that Mallow will go eventually, Middleton will go eventually, and all people will be referred into the south side in the city, which I believe is overwhelmed as it is. It's already overcrowded, yeah. It is, it is. You know, so it doesn't make sense. So my argument is here, you know, the people are, like, at the reaction I'm getting, because sometimes we do things and they happen in peace and you're told then by the, the powers be that, oh, sure, we didn't know anything about, we didn't hear any backlash against it. So I decided, that's why I decided to do this. And I'm amazed why I'm just getting to the local area. Because people don't realise it. And you see, this time of year, we don't really look for the doctor because it's summertime, the weather is good. It's only when you start going back to school and the children bring all sorts of things home and, mm. you know, they gather things themselves. And then, it, you know, it, what let's say, you need your doctor and, and then on through the winter. So I thought, look, I've just taken... This is like this is not something I normally have done, and I just said, "Look, I'm going to try this and see what the reaction is." And I'm just you know amazed with what's coming back from people, really. Yeah, you've got a couple of thousand signatures already for Change.org, but Erin was messaging in earlier on saying, "Look, she is in East Cork, and yeah. if there isn't a South Dock, she's into town. Now she's got a, I think, at least one, if not two toddlers." Yeah. into town and out again at all hours of the day and night. You can't be doing that. And what if you don't have a car? Imagine, like, if you're a baby sick, there, the panic that's on you. You're going, like, you're going to get people driving erratically, maybe this hour of the night, even. You know, mm. like, the panic's around you. Or even, like, to get up and leave your house. And if you're, look, if you're a single parent there, you have two children, what are you going to do with your second child? Yes. You know, it doesn't make sense at all. Mm. And the whole thing, like, now, look, we know there's a shortage. Doctor service. We know yeah. there's a shortage of doctors. We've talked about that all week, too. There's a, yeah. there's a chronic shortage of, of GPs. 
to, and I to think our teacher came them. out and said with as many GPs that the amount of doctors were producing is unreal because it comes there during the week. But look, I, 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 look, I know our population has increased as well. But we do have that issue, yes, the, the reduction in doctors. But like, like a lot of our centres don't like still have the same amount of doctors. Or some centres say they had doctors, they lost doctors. You know, maybe look, that's maybe where we should go back to the very beginning is incentivise. You know, what, what is the problem with doctors? Why are they not? Like a lot of them have done to three day a week here locally. Mm. And like, you know, can that be allowed? You know, if you're in a job, it's busy job. You're not allowed to do that. Mm. You know, so like, especially if it's a time of crisis. So I don't know, like, there's definitely some really look to look. I'm only looking at the outside in and I suppose look, representing the people and that's what I'm getting at the moment. And I just felt I need to do something on this because I can't let it happen and be told after us, you know, you did nothing. So yeah. that's why I feel that the onus is on myself to do something. All right. All right. And you've done it. And it's up on change.org, southdoc.change.org. Uh, South Dock for Moy is the... Uh, petition. Thank you, dear. 0818969696. Again, a cutback to a service. You can see there's not enough doctors. We know there's not enough doctors. Which means it's very difficult to staff a South Dock. But they took away all of the smaller emergency units. All of the existing primary care units they're all closed at six o'clock. So if you're in Mallow, Fermoy, Mitchellstown, Charleville, Middleton, Yall, all those places, and you need a doctor at one o'clock in the morning, where are you going to go? Where's the South Dock? The South Dock's inside there by, by Schmidt's Toys, inside there by the Big Magic Roundabout, and that is busy. That's a very, very busy, busy South Dock. So there's, it's terrible, these cutbacks. You know, and if it's, oh, well, something has to stand up for itself and something has to wash its face business-wise. And it does. But still, you think of people with sick children particularly or sick relatives. Imagine if you have someone at home. Just think, you have someone at home chronically ill and they're at home on the basis that a doctor can get to them when needed. Where are they going to get a doctor? On Joseph Byrne. Yeah. When you're doing the 96FM Best of Cork Awards, wouldn't an honorary award for Best Heart in Cork, should that be presented to Joe for what he does for the people of Cork all year long? He epitomises the feeling of Cork. I can see something happening here. Sophie has hit upon Cork as a feeling. And already people are going with slogans for Cork as a feeling. I can see a T-shirt or a mug or something. Maybe my pal Stan Knott might design a mug. He does that kind of thing. Or the Hairy Babies might come up with a a T-shirt. Cork is an old feeling. Wouldn't it be a great award as well? The feeling of Cork. Oh, there's one. Oh, I wonder is it too late to get one of those, get that, that, that category into the Best of Cork Awards. The feeling of Cork. Probably is for this year, but maybe not for next year. 0818 96 96 96. But yeah, Joe. I, listen, there is, no, there is not an award big enough to give to Joe. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. 
answer live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call 96 FM. Hi, 96 FM. Would it be possible, says this message, to get a clear map of the new layout of the Dunkettle roundabout to get it printed on local papers and maybe put it up on a few websites so people can download it and read it. This Sunday, there are six new lanes opening up out by Dunkettle and there's a very strong chance, I fear, of crashes. People have been advised, don't follow Google Maps or dash cams. They won't have been updated in time. We need to keep people safe. I can't take a call at work. It's a major junction and a lot of people are uneasy with all these new layouts. Just get the word out there and keep people safe. It's very much like the Red Cow Roundabout in Dublin now. That is a good point. There's a huge number of new feeds in and out of the Dunkettle Interchange opening this weekend, this opening on Sunday. Do you remember when they started messing around with the lanes into the tunnel? How much chaos there was and, and there are new roads in and out of the place. There's no map that you can download that uh, people are concerned about that and your Google Maps or your sat-navs in particular won't have been updated in time. That's a good point. Thank you. Here's a couple of names that you wonder what they all have in common. Peter Sellers, the actor, died in 1980. Rudyard Kipling, writer of children's stories and children's books. Sir Ernest Shackleton, explorer, polar explorer and colleague of the great Tom Crean and others. Sir Alexander Fleming was a scientist. I think, isn't, isn't he the man who invented... Didn't he invent antibiotics or something like that? Sir Alf Ramsey, who was a, a giant in the world of soccer. Thomas Bernardo, the man after whom Bernardo's is named. What did they all have in common? They were all Freemasons. They were all famous Freemasons. Now... I don't know how much you know about the Freemasons. I remember reading a book yonks ago called The Brotherhood, which is a great book, frightened the life out of me. It's been updated since, but a great book about the history of the Freemasons. And, and they go right back to pre-Biblican times. There was Freemasons around the world. Well, they're here in Cork. And they have a place down, I think it's off Tucky Street there, the Cork Freemasons Hall. I've never been in there because I'm not a Freemason. Well, this hall, no, I'm not. And this hall is not, is in the news now for a long, long time. And Owen English at the Irish Examiner, senior reporter with the Examiner, has been following it. Why is it in the news, Owen? Good morning. And before I ask, before I ask that, are you a Freemason? Morning. Good morning, PJ. I'm not. I I don't know the secret handshake either. I think my my only knowledge of uh, the Freemasons is uh, that famous episode, I think, where uh, Homer Simpson joins a similar organisation for about <laughs> half an hour and learns the secret handshake. But I've been into their lodge on Tucky Street on Culture Night, yeah. and um, it's a fascinating place. They have uh, It's steeped in history. They have a load of uh, symbolic banners and... Uh, very interesting furniture um, and some great stories to tell. But um, the building um, on Tucky Street, the, the the Grand Lodge of the Provincial Grand Lodge of the Munster Freemasons, to give it its full title, um, 
it's it's it is a very historic building. It dates on that site back to the 1700s, um, but unfortunately, it doesn't have uh, universal access. It has access issues. The Freemasons tell us, and they wanted to address that, and so they prepared a proposal that they pushed to the city council last year, early last year, back in February 2022, setting out their plans for addressing the access issues. And what they want to do is they want to build an extension um, and they can only build that extension with, with, you know, lifts and proper fire exits. They can only build it at the back of the building. And unfortunately, the plot of land they need at the back of their building is a part of Bishop Lucy Park, the yeah. only bit of green space, public green space in the city centre. Um, and therein lies the problem. So what they had to do, first of all, because they don't own the land, they had to get the permission of city council to lodge a planning application for their extension. They got that written permission. But because the land upon which they want to build the extension is zoned as a park, mm. uh, city councillors had to vote last year on a material contravention of the city development plan to allow an extension to be built on it. Mm. And so they did agree that, that, that vote happened. They? they did. That, that vote happened last May. So the, the Freemasons went to City Hall with their proposal in February 2022. Councillors had to vote to uh, amend the city development plan in relation to that particular portion of land. Uh, they voted in May 2022. And that vote on the material contravention in effect, gave the Freemasons planning permission for their extension. And what's coming before councillors next Monday for a formal decision is the formal disposal of that section of of park. It's about, it's almost 54 square metres. It's a small part of Bishop Lucy Park. That formal disposal is coming before councillors next Monday and uh, councillors are going to be asked to dispose of this plot to the Freemasons for the symbolic fee of one euro. They'll have to cover 1,500 euro in legal costs and that kind of thing. Now, why that? Why, why, the, one, why the one euro? That's valuable land. It, it, it is, but I suppose it's a, it's a kind of a symbolic thing, PJ, that the council often does when it comes to disposals of this kind. Um, what they're doing is they're building in several conditions into the disposal. Uh, and I suppose one of the main conditions that they have built in is that if the council disposes of this land, this park land, to the Freemasons, then the Freemasons will have to make their lodge, their hall on Turkey Street, available to various groups to the public for at least 20 hours a month. So the idea is that if the city gives them a piece of land to facilitate their extension, then the city gets payback in terms of increased access to the building. So that's that's what's generating the debate at the moment. Now, when it first emerged last year, there was a lot of concern expressed about the fact that, you know, the Freemasons wanted to build on a part of uh, uh, a city centre publicly owned park. There was all sorts of concerns about the loss of a number of trees, about the principle of giving away uh, a city centre or part of a city centre park for the construction of uh, uh, an extension like this. Um, And we've had various people uh, at the time of the proposal and at the time of the vote last May raising concerns about this move, about, you know, that it could set a precedent that if some other group comes to City Hall with an idea to build on some public land or some public parkland, that this decision could set a precedent. Um, And they were also pointing out that, you know, we're we're in the middle of a climate crisis and it does sort of, you know, it is worrying that the city, 
is considering in the first instance giving away a part of a public park and also sanctioning the removal of, uh, I think it's 15 trees in total will go. Now, the Freemasons say that they will be replanted elsewhere, but still the optics were pretty poor last year. But having said that, councillors did vote last May to uh, give the um, extension planning permission on this parcel of land. So my own sense is that what will happen next Monday is that it will just be a very routine decision. The disposal will come before them and it will be just rubber stamped and on we go. Now, like any diligent reporter worthy of the title, you've been trying to get both sides here, I imagine. Who talks on behalf of the Freemasons? Because you're not supposed to know, are you? Well, that was the impression that I had last year, PJ, you know, that that this was a secret society of brethren, you know, and that unless you knew the secret handshake, (laughs) yeah, you couldn't get in, that they wouldn't talk to you, that it was very secretive. But but in fairness, we got our hands last year on the documents that the Freemasons sent to City Hall. And one of the letters was signed by a Mr. David J. Butler, who is the, or who was last year, he was described as the Society's Provincial Librarian and Archivist in Munster. And I, I, I asked him, would he talk to me about the Freemasons and about this specific proposal? And he had no problem whatsoever. We spent nearly an hour and a half chatting about the history of the Freemasons, about the history of the organisation in, in Cork in particular. Um, and he said, you know, that the aim here is to basically... Um, open up the building more. He said that, you know, despite this sort of myth um, that the Freemasons are a secretive society, he said that the building on Tucky Street has since 2008, it's it's been used by what he called non-Masonic groups, you know, people who aren't Freemasons, um, up to 15 times every year for events like Heritage Day and for Culture Night. Mm. He said they have had some groups from, from the Choral Festival singing in there, that there have been visits by academics, and that there's also been tours by various heritage, history and, and active retired groups and that they're they're more than willing to open their doors and invite people in to have a look around the building. But because of the access issues uh, that, the, that the building has, yeah. that it's not, yeah, it's not fully accessible mm. and they're, they're trying to address that. Now, I suppose one of the other important issues is that, as you know, and your listeners probably know, Bishop Lucy Park is, is itself earmarked for a major overhaul. Yes. Um, and there was concerns last year that, you know, we were going to get this new designed Bishop Lucy Park, but then we were going to get this extension kind of plunked in the corner. But um, what we've been told is that the architects, uh, JCA architects who are working for the Freemasons, have been liaising with the designers of the new um, Bishop Lucy Park uh, to ensure that whatever kind of extension is built, that it, it integrates and blends in well with the new surroundings. But I suppose we'll just have to wait and see what happens when it's actually okay. built, PJ, whether whether they deliver. The, 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 the deal will be done, as it were, on Monday week. Is it next Monday? The next Monday, the deal will be done at the council to hand over. Uh, the, the, like the last land. May... Mm. Yeah, last year, last May, 24 councillors voted, 24 of the 31 councillors voted in favour of the material contravention. They needed a two-third majority. They, they, they got that by, by one vote. Next Monday's vote is just as straightforward. Okay. You know, they just need yeah, so, yeah, exactly. All right, Owen. Thank you for that. Owen English, uh, senior news reporter with the Irish Examiner. I know nothing about the... I've never been there, actually. I must go there in culture night this time. Have it, But I'm told it's beautiful inside. I've never been there. I've never been invited to be a, a, free, a member of the Freemasons. Um, I don't, I'd love to see a list of who is a member of the Freemasons. Uh, but 
Owen, let us, for you, the problem here is not who's a Freemason and who isn't, it's the trees. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> I think I, I have been uh, into the, um, the building on Tucky Street for one of the Culture Night events there. It's a fascinating historic space and, um, uh, and so on. Nobody is, is disputing that. But I suppose the, the problem I have is the, the um, cost of this in terms of the cost to green space and to trees in the, in the city. I mean, Bishop Lucy Park is one of the, one of the only uh, very limited number uh, of uh, green spaces and parks in the city centre. Um, and to lose even a fraction of that, I think, is really problematic, given that we're in the middle of a climate crisis, given that we're in the middle of a biodiversity crisis. I think this is, this is not a good look for, for anybody. 54 square metres is roughly the footprint of a small house or a very large kitchen. Yeah, it's, I mean, on a, on a practical sense, it's, it's certainly worth more than one euro and, and, and this kind of figure that's, you know, it's less than the cost of the Irish Examiner or the, a cup of coffee or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think that's the, bit that, that's the bit that would strike me as strange, Owen, that this valuable, because right there in the middle of the city centre is very valuable land yeah, that it, you could it, dispose it, with for a euro it strikes me as very strange. Yeah, and it, and it's valuable from a, I suppose, from a, a property point of view. But I think more so, its value from its value lies in that it is public green space. It is your green space, PJ. It is mine. It is everybody else's. And and the proposal here is to dispose of it, to use that awful term, to dispose of it for a euro to a private organisation, notwithstanding the cultural and the historic value and and. Uh, uh, and um, I suppose the historic uh, the, the history of that organisation but the uh, if this was being uh, disposed of to any organisation I'd have a problem with it simply because this is public green space we know the value of green space and trees in our city you know uh, it helps to build sustainable cities it boosts mental and physical health it provides home for mm. biodiversity it, it uh, sequesters carbon it cools our cities. You know, we've had a really warm spell now. It's cooling down, I think, a little bit now. But, um, you know, trees can cool cities by as much as 12 degrees Celsius. Mm. Right? They we've say had, they will replace them. They say they will put them somewhere else. Uh, that's what they say. And uh, the, uh, the the problem is what you've got at the moment are relatively mature trees to be replaced by, by immature, semi-mature trees. Uh, and, I mean... You know, I think if they are being replaced, they need to be replaced by much more than than just fifteen uh, trees. And I suppose it's it's the it's the space that's being lost is is a particular problem here, given the very limited amount of of green space in the city centre, as I said. And, and Bishop Lucy Park is not a big park; it is not a a large park, and it's going to get. Less green, I suppose, as the new uh, development happens. I'm not sure there's uh, much green at all involved in the new development, actually, Owen. Um, it's it's certainly more of a public square by yeah. the look of things than a public park. Um, and look, uh, there there might be reasons for that, and you know, uh, times change, and I suppose taste change in terms of how we design our our public spaces. But I, I would certainly argue the case that actually what we need in our public spaces is more trees, more planting, more green space uh, and, and not less, which is what we're getting uh, 
which is what we're getting with this. I mean, it's it's 53 or 54 square metres, which isn't, a, a, you know, in relative terms, it's not a huge, um, or in, in actual terms, it's not a huge amount, but it, in terms of the scale of the park itself, it's quite a sizable yeah. chunk. And, yeah. and, and uh, my, I suppose, we can argue about the, and we can, I can point out the, the benefits of trees and green spaces. But for me, this is a fairness and an equality issue yeah. that the people who use that park are, are people who live and work in the city centre, are young families who that might be their only bit of green space uh, in their locality. And we, we saw with COVID the value of green spaces close yeah. to where we live. Um, and so the, the residents and workers in the city centre, the general public, are being deprived of uh, a piece of their their park their you know what is happening here and let's 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 call it what it is uh, a, a piece of public park is being carved up uh, and sold off for a um and so look i i suspect the vote will go through well it's, uh, it's almost a done deal according to own yeah i suspect i suspect he's right but i, I think it has to be flagged to to everybody voting for this it has to be flagged at the city council level uh, and all involved that that this is what's going on. This is a public park that is being being um, raided, if you like, is being reduced in size uh, and being sold off to a private organisation. Doesn't matter what that organisation is. There's a lot of uh, conspiracy theories and scaremongering, which which I, I don't buy into. By the way, um, you know I understand the cultural and the the historic. Uh, issues at play here yeah. but I think there is a value to this green space uh, outside of that uh, and one thing I'd say is is you know I, I see really no evidence that an alternative was looked at yeah. um, is there an alternative to putting it inside the building could we put an emergency exit inside the building could we use neighbouring buildings uh, I think what's happened here is that People look at green space and they look at trees as being the easy, cheap option. Let's get rid of that. Okay. That's the that's the easy solution. So I would like to see um, the city council and I would like to see the councillors who are voting uh, ask, you know, what were the alternatives to this? Okay. Because there are alternatives and um, maybe they should have been looked at before we've gotten to this, to this stage. Okay. It does look a bit like the, that horse has bolted, but it's worth, the, worth mentioning it at least. Owen Lettuce, thank you. And before that, Owen English, a senior reporter with the Irish Examiner. I, I know I'm being mischievous here and I know I probably won't get anybody because they're not going to ring up and go, hello, I'm a Freemason, but you wouldn't know it. I would love to talk to an active member of the Freemasons. Um, I would. I, I want to talk about what it's like to be a Freemason. What do you do? How do you become a Freemason? What does it actually mean to be a Freemason? What do you do, like? Um, other than that story to do with the trees and the use of the public park. Thank you both, lads. 0818 96 96 96. On the subject of Cork, a great teacher in the North Mon, the late Donald Hurley, taught us a poem. I can't fully remember it, but it ended like this. Cork is maybe, I agree, not what it's made out to be. But brother, even if it's not, it's still the best of what we've got. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Galleyhead Swim is back for another year, taking place this time round on Saturday, the 22nd of July. This iconic 10 kilometre swim will see swimmers starting at the Red Strand before tackling the legendary waters around Galleyhead and finally the long 6 kilometre leg to the Warren in Ross Carberry. This year, the event will be raising money for Marymount Hospice, Cancer Connect, and Co Action. For more info, go to the website galleyheadswim.com. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Actually speaking of great Cork things and great Cork people, um, today is, would you believe, the month's mind of the great Teddy Mac. Has it already been a month since we were here talking about Teddy's very untimely passing? A month today. Teddy's month's mind. 0818 96 96 96. Um, here's something. We've got a picture sent in so we know that the person isn't making this up. I've told you before, not that you need me to tell, but it's worth noting. Sort of you buy stuff in a shop, any supermarket, and it says breaded Irish chicken. So you're buying breaded chicken. So it's breaded Irish chicken, right? If it's breaded Irish chicken, it was breaded here. And it is Irish chicken, right? If it's Irish breaded chicken, it's chicken... The breading was done here, but it might not be Irish chicken. But what about Chinese stuff? Hi, says Daphne, and she sent us a picture of a bag of stuff here. Bag of chicken, kind of, you know, those little small twisty bits of chicken. Hi, I've noticed Duns are selling frozen chicken from China. I've emailed them twice about it, and I haven't even gotten a reply. You might have better luck getting a reply. I have photos. You have? And you've sent it to us, Daphne. Daphne found chicken in Duns from China, and she's not happy about it. And you think, with all the chicken that we have in this country, why you would have to bring chicken in from China? I do not know. Thanks, Daphne. To the library and the attack on the staff, and talking earlier this morning with Forza, with Liz from Forza, they're having a protest tomorrow in support of the staff who've been harassed in the library over the stocking of a particular book. I'm not even going to give the book the oxygen publicity or the protesters the oxygen of publicity by naming the book. Bear. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. What would you say? Like that, no, I'm 110% behind the wolf guys. Yeah. And like that, as you know, not to give them a Have any of the protesters been on to you, PJ? I've spoken to one of them back, I think it was around Easter time. It was around Easter time. And not long after the first one, and I think by the end of that conversation, she'd kind of come around to my way of thinking that, fine, you're entitled to object to the content of the book. That's entirely up to yourself. But okay. going to the front desk of a library and giving out to some poor misfortunate, yeah. that's Walker. that. It's they've got nothing to do with placing it out there. Exactly. It's the author. They're, they're just working there. It's the authors who want the book. But like that, no, PJ. Why don't they have the clergy in there? I mean, why should they have to put up with this all along? Like, yeah. if you went into a public house, right? Got yeah. a point, whatever. Yeah. Caused any disturbance to any 
of the workers in there, you're out the gap. Correct. Why is this so different? Why is this going on so much? Why don't they get two fine, big, burly security men? Yeah? Yeah, I'd agree with you. See, they're, they're, they're going to work to make a living like everybody else. Do these people have no lives of their own? Like, if I even went into pennies and I'd seen a dress and a top and a bottom that I didn't like, you know, do I go up to the staff and say, hey, I don't like them, get rid of them? I mean, they're just not living in the real world, these people. And if you did, Burr, yeah, that inside in pennies, yeah. your feet wouldn't touch the ground, you'd be horsed out the door, and rightly so. But wait, that's what I'm trying to say. Why are they leaving this go so long? With See what you ha- what you have is unfortunately is you have a public building, and you have the these public houses. The same. Yes. It isn't really. You see, it's a public premises. It's a private premises with the license to serve the public. The pub right. is owned by the publican. Okay. And and you are allowed onto that premises at the at the at the goodwill of the publican. The minute right. you break that goodwill, he or she may remove you. Same in a private okay. shop like Penny's or anywhere else. But in yes. a public building, these Egypts come in and go, this is a public building, I'm attacked. I own the building, you work for me. Oh, my God. That kind of crap. Yes, yes. And they're having oh, to take look, that. Look, it doesn't matter what they say. I'd have a power hose, do. I don't mind telling you now, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have a power hose behind yeah. the counter, but I wouldn't last five minutes. I'd have a power hose behind the counter and they'd be gone. But like that, PJ, these people working there have lives, you know, leave them alone. They have to do something about these. Uh, even, you can't call them protesters. You know, they're bullies. Yeah. That's what they are. And filming people and putting it up on social media. Well, look, come on, like, isn't that harassment? It is, yeah. Bring them somewhere. Don't even ask any questions. Just drag them somewhere and get, give them a good look. Hit them where it hurts. <laughs> Hit them in the pocket, boy. Hit them in the pocket. Hit them in the yeah. pocket, them, find, and, find them for causing a public nuisance. Yeah, Exactly, and leave the workers alone. Yeah. Burr, good call. Thank you. 0818-969696. Clear some more business here because I have lots to do. And Oh yeah, I must mention the Best of Cork Awards. I forgot to do it. We are looking for nominations again. They're back for 2023. Best barber, best coffee, best restaurant. Gym, hotel, burger, pizza, bar, best business, Instagram. We've been talking this morning with Sophie, and I think it's fantastic how she said, Cork is a feeling. Isn't that brilliant? We'll podcast that later. Cork is a feeling. Um, but if you want to nominate under any particular category now, you can go to 96fm.ie, click through to Best of Cork Awards, nominate your favourites in any one of our given categories. Then we'll compile a short list. Then we'll do the voting. And later in the summer, we will present the Best of Cork Awards. Only from Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.pj Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, um, Cork is, it's the hit of the day. I just had a message. I mentioned him earlier on, and I've just had a message from Stan Knott. He's in London at the moment, and someone heard his name being mentioned. Stan did fantastic stuff years ago with mugs 
and I think he did one or two other little bits and pieces with Cork sayings on them uh, like a, for Father's Day he brought out a mug that said Rebel Cork Dad and I have one and I'm very proud to have it but I'm just thinking he's the kind of guy now that would come up with Cork is a feeling and do something with it or, or the hairy babies would come up with, with, with Cork as a feeling I think that's the bit in the moment if we had to find a moment to define the week and the positivity about Cork it would be that 0818969696 but certainly want to be careful if you're going on the Dunkettle roundabout over the weekend that's a good message and we still haven't had a map maybe we will get one all the new roads into and out of the Dunkettle roundabout they are opening this weekend so be careful down there my family are doing a fundraiser for CUH cancer unit my dad's had cancer twice over the past four years this is from Cara I wonder if you'd give the concert a plug with all proceeds going to CUH Cancer Unit. I have a poster. Jota Luna, Cara, I don't have your poster to hand, but I will do it for you tomorrow. How's that? Busy one this morning, actually. Philip and Cathy and Fanula are trying to get in on the conversation. I might have one slot left if you call me now. You might just about get in. We are very busy. Jim first. Morning. Hi, Jim. Good morning, TJ. How are you doing? Good. The RTE money. Yeah, the RT money. I'm. I just look. I read it in the papers, and I follow it as much as I can. And uh, I'm just surprised that there has been very little mention about the government's role in all of this. Simply because uh, the government have been pouring money into RT with years and years. And my question was, uh, do they get a financial account at the end of the year? And do they look at it if they get it? If they don't get it, why don't they get it? And why wasn't this been picked up long, long ago? Well, that's where all this started because the, well. the, the the RTE board. Must yeah, yeah. produce an annual report every year. Mm. That's presented to cabinet. That has to be yeah. signed off by cabinet. Yeah, where all this began was we learnt about two and a half weeks ago that a figure contained in that document was false. That's where this all started. Yes, I agree with that. But it's it's not just happening in recent times. It's happening going back all the years. Yeah, and there was nobody seemed to be picking it up. Like it's it's public funding that's gone into RTE as well. And I, I just read in the paper this morning, and, and a quote there from uh, Matthew McGrath was, uh, he was furious, TV Matthew McGrath accused the board of being asleep at the wheel and said they had failed to be in control of affairs on the state broadcaster. I mm. think the government had a bigger role to play in that. Whether people agree with it or don't agree with it, I don't know, but it's public money, funding RTE, and RTE is, is, is very, very good, I have to say, but at the same time, the amount of stupid spending that went on for years and years it's ridiculous. It's an abuse of the public funding. We have a list of it there this morning in all of our papers yeah. to see, do you know? I know. Shocking. Shocking. I, I just think, I don't think there have uh, been questions enough about it at all, or is that something that will come later? Mm. There has been several, several, several uh, uh, financial ministers, and I, I don't, I'm not hearing much about any of this going back. Yeah. Are, the, are you watching the various committees, or what are you doing? I, I'm watching a few of them, yeah, I'm watching a few of them. I, I tell you, PJ, I, I, I suffer with a, a dementia now, not very badly, but I'm reading this thing, and the more I read it, the madder I get, because once there's one revelation, there's three or four more comes out, then there's two or three more comes out, and it's mm-hmm. all different things, and, and it seems to me that should have been picked up long, long ago, not just in recent times. In fact, if Ryan Tuberty's thing hadn't come about, it may never have come up. Well, that's the thing, Jim. And you know? remember the story that in, in yeah. March, somebody yeah. went in 
some young auditor went in to do a normal audit. It has to be done every year. Some somebody went in to do a, an audit, and halfway through the audit, they kind of said, um, "What? Uh, what's this? What's this?" I, I agree with that. But should that not have happened every year? Because it's gone on with years and years. But the sound it's not message. just something that's new. And now they're going way back. They're talking about flip-flops now for nearly five grand. A ridiculous thing. Everything about it is ridiculous. And they asked the, the guy last week, I suppose, and, and when he was being questioned about how much his salary was. He, he said, it was very private. Very private, he said. Yeah. And then he said, when he was questioned the second time, well, tell the truth, I can't remember. Like, what kind of a dad to see his death? Like, that's just so ridiculous to have people come out with these things. Straight away, he should have got up, left, and said, and told, <laughs> be told, you won't be back again. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I'm not over the top mad about it, but I, I, I'm just not happy with it. I'm not happy with the government's role. We have our own fellow here, James O'Connor, who I listened to the other day, um, and he was very, very good with his questions. The nice thing about his questions was he had the answers. So there was no point in pussyfooting around him oh, with your oh, answers. Well, Jim, you, you know the secret to po- politics. Yeah, no. It's the same as, yeah. as law. You know, in yeah. politics, you never really ask a question unless you know what the I'll answer know, is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim, always a pleasure. Thank you very much and good luck. I'm sorry to hear that you got the, the bit of dementia going on, but you're, you're carrying it well so far. Good man. Uh, is it Jim? Philip. Philip. Morning, Philip. <laughs> Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. The protesters in the library. Yeah, I mean, I think it needs to be called out for exactly what it is. I mean, this idea that uh, we're here to protect the children, and they all would say that we're here to protect the children. But in reality, all it is is an act of fascism. And there's nothing else to be said about it other than the fact that democracies don't censor dictatorships do and it just goes back to the night of broken glass in Germany when Hitler was burning all those books that they decided that society couldn't read I mean if these people really really cared about the children where are their protests against letting children or letting young people use devices without parental supervision and all the websites and everything that they can access? Where are their protests about that in town, telling people not to be listening or not to be watching uh, online pornography? Where's that protest? If they really cared about women, where are their protests when there's an act of gender-based violence? They're never to be seen. Where are their protests if there's uh, an act of violence against uh, an immigrant? They're nowhere to be seen. So let's be honest about it. Like, Mm. their only interest in all of this is to censor, to be able to kind of uh, do acts of some sort of quasi-homophobia without being without being uh, prosecuted or anything like that for some sort of hate crime. I I, I interviewed one of them and I... The question she asked me was, have you seen the book? And yeah. I'd been sent about a dozen PDF slides from the book. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, my personal opinion of the book is of no consequence. That ever was. That wasn't a good enough answer. But it's true. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody who learned to be who they were by reading a book. And I wonder, that woman, and any of the women among the cohort of that far right, 
How many of them have read books like Fifty Shades of Grey and have they turned out to be really interested in S&M then after it and tying up their husbands or being tied up and being whipped? You know what I mean? Mm. So, I mean, like, I would be more concerned about what uh, young people are able to access on an unreg or an unfiltered internet, which it is. I mean, it's not uh, it's not regulated or anything. Do the parents know about these things? And are these people in this political group that I'm not going to mention campaigning against that or campaigning that the government introduce legislation to protect children from the harms of watching that online at a very young age, which mm. they're accessing? Because they don't seem to be interested in that. They don't seem to be interested in women's rights. They don't seem to be interested in any children's rights. They don't seem to be interested in any form of human rights other than to take them away. Yeah. And that's what they're about. I Just one, one short story, PJ. Um, in Spain, they had regional elections recently. And what happened is, is that there was an imbalance and the left couldn't make up the, the governments in, the, in, we'd say, the city hall and that sort of thing. In mm. most of the places, there may have been one seat in the difference. And so the right party, who may have had eight seats, relied on the very, very far right to get into power, get into power at any cost. So the far right may have just given them three seats, that's all they had. One of their first acts in the town of Valencia was to ban the flying of the rainbow flag mm. uh, on public buildings and also to ban concentrations of people protesting against gender-based violence because they don't believe it exists, this far right party. Mm. So in this town, they took down the flag and a young fella in the town, off his own balcony, flew a rainbow flag within a half an hour four thugs which could be attributed to nothing other than like brown shirts in Hitler's party came up and started throwing stones at his house telling him to take down the flag he was worried he took down the flag next day all the neighbours in the town put up rainbow flags you know so like as a response to thuggery which is what it is it's only thuggery to intimidate people that's thuggery in a response to Tuggery, and I hope on Saturday will be a good response to Tuggery, that everybody will get in there and start supporting the uh, staff in the library who are going about their jobs. Yeah, it's tomorrow, actually, that it's on, Philip. Or tomorrow, tomorrow. sorry, I beg your oh, pardon, you're okay. yeah. You're OK. Yeah, no, no, you will be told, you see, when you talk to the protesters, well, it's a public building and I pay my taxes, so these people work for me. And do they really pay their taxes? This mm. is the thing that I'm wondering. How many of them are actually working? Yeah. Do you know? This is a public building. I can do what I want. No, you can't do what you want. I mean, there's like, there's laws and conventions and there's like a behavior that's acceptable and behavior that's not acceptable. And that sort of behavior isn't acceptable. That's toggery. It's nothing other than toggery. Yeah. You know? There to intimidate people, but they're not intimidating anybody because they won't be intimidating anybody when they're down there in support of those library people uh, tomorrow. I take it you'll be heading down yourself? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, definitely down there. And it doesn't matter what the book is, the whole idea is that you can't censor things in a democracy. Mm. And moreover, Philip, if you have a problem with something in the library, that's your problem to have and you're perfectly entitled to have it. Yeah. But tackling the poor misfortune on the front desk who's working for a fairly basic wage and did not make the decision to put the library up there, that's the wrong person to be tackling. But you know why they won't tackle the real bosses? 
because the real mm. bosses will just tell them to one way home now don't be nine me Absolutely, and they come in with their videos, brave boys and girls they are, making videos and uh, tearing up books and saying that we're here now and that we're going to change everything and that, you know, trying to get photographs that make them look intimidating. But at the end of the day, who are they? Little people with little ideas Mm. and little to do. That's what they are. Nothing more than that. Well put, Philip. Thank you. Good call to finish us up. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I give you about one minute if you want to respond to Philip. Although I don't think too many people will disagree with him. That march tomorrow, that demonstration tomorrow is at twelve thirty, seventh of July, twelve thirty. Gathering at the library, and then at one o'clock we'll march to City Hall. Katie from the ninety six FM newsroom will be there, and we will have audio hopefully on Monday's show from down there. If you're going down there, let me know. and we'll, we'll chat either tomorrow or on Monday. few things going on that uh, we want to get around to. And Friday being Friday, it could be busy before we even start. But what about getting kids, particularly those who are under 16, into gigs like Hosier or Dermot Kennedy? Dermot is playing in... Is at Toman Park, um, and we'll be talking to a, a mom tomorrow. Park mom, she wants to take her kids. Her kids are huge Dermot Kennedy fans. She got the tickets, got everything sorted, and tickety boo. And then she discovered something, and now her plans are in turmoil because her kids are under sixteen. It's a problem, and it's one that's in the small print, way way down the page, and you're not going to see it. So you'll buy the tickets and then you'll discover something afterwards. We'll talk to her tomorrow. Um, Nudism is on the rise. Careful now. Careful now. We'll have protesters at the door filming it. Nudism is on the rise. Um, Naturists have been shedding all on the beaches. Well, the way the weather's going to go now for the weekend, that'll soften their cough for them. A bit. But naturists have been shedding their everything on the beaches of Cork. A bit more about that. It's the World Naked Bike Ride, actually, is due up around this time of the year. I remember going on that, actually, on the World Naked Bike Ride. Would I do it again? You see, when I did it, it set out at about five in the morning just as the sun was coming up and was kind of safe. Now they do it at three o'clock in the afternoon. So no. No. For research purposes, no. My days of taking one for the team at that level are behind me. No. Sweaty set. no. Stop it. Less of the sweaty saddle stuff. No, please. And there's Spen- Spencer Tunic. Richard only brought it up with me this morning. The, um, the Spencer Tunic picture. Somebody sent me a postcard. I must dig it out. I think I have it in my bag somewhere. Someone sent me a postcard of the Spencer Tunic photograph in Blarney all those years ago. And there's hundreds of people. And <laughs> they've circled one body in red and said, There you are now. That's you. Spotted you in the crowd. Oh. Okay, that's it. Programme edited by Imar O'Hay, produced and researched 
by Richard Vickery. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we shall talk to you tomorrow, Friday, end of the week, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks96FM. 